The Public News Service Joy Newscast for February the 9th, 2022. I'm Mike Clifford. Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf shared his budget proposal Tuesday with a focus on taking advantage of a $2.3 billion surplus to invest in public education. That's a pillar of his 2013 campaign. In the budget address to a joint House and Senate session, Wolf spoke about progress made in his two terms as Pennsylvania governor. When he took office in 2014, the Commonwealth had a budget deficit of 2 to $3 billion, and the rainy day fund was down to its last $231,000. As the first governor since 1987 to turn over a budget surplus to a successor, Wolf wants $1.9 billion to benefit students from pre-K through college. We can afford to invest a whole lot more in the fair funding formula without raising one penny in state taxes. And we can afford to do that without asking any school district anywhere in Pennsylvania to sacrifice one penny in state funding. Let's not waste this opportunity. In Republicans' response to the budget, Senate Majority Leader Kim Ward said a spending increase of $4.5 billion would intensify personal financial pressures on all Pennsylvanians. I'm Emily Scott. Now from the New York Times, Senator Mitch McConnell, the minority leader, pushed back hard Tuesday against the Republican Party's censure of Representatives Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and its characterization of the January 6th riot as legitimate political discourse, saying the riot was a violent insurrection. The RNC officially rebuked Cheney and Kinzinger for participating in the House investigation, accusing them of persecution of ordinary citizens engaged in legitimate political discourse. The Times host McConnell repudiated that description, saying, We saw it happen. It was a violent insurrection for the purpose of trying to prevent the peaceful transfer of power. New Hampshire groups that advocate for voting rights say the state's new congressional district maps are gerrymandered there and will lead to little competition in elections. Currently, two Democrats represent the Granite State in the U.S. House, but that might change after this year's redistricting process, which is controlled by Republicans. They're in power in both the general court and governor's office. The House passed a map last month, but Brian Beal, with Open Democracy Action, says it essentially locks in congressional races for the next 10 years. All of these groups have identified this as a highly uncompetitive map that is designed to guarantee a Republican in District 1, and they basically ceded District 2 to the Democrats. Bill notes groups from the Princeton Gerrymandering Project to the ACLU have identified the proposal as partisan. I'm Lee Bolke reporting. This is PMS. A bill soon to be introduced in the California legislature would grant low-income students at five Cal State University campuses a stipend of $500 a month for basic living expenses. The idea is to provide a universal basic income so more students can afford to stay in school. State Senator Dave Cortezi says the pilot program would serve about 14,000 students, or about 11% of the campus population. Because that's roughly the the percentage of students who are essentially in abject poverty. They're either homeless or severely at risk of being homeless. I'm Suzanne Potter. To qualify, a student would have to have a household income below $20,000. The program would cost the state an estimated $84 million a year. Opponents of universal basic income criticize it as a government handout that could be squandered. And while it isn't a new concept, a new movement is growing in agriculture. 
toward the use of practices that restore soil quality by mimicking nature. Restorative agriculture recognizes the key principles of keeping soil covered and undisrupted, maximizing crop diversity, keeping roots in the ground year-round, and integrating livestock. Soil scientist and farmer Francis Thickey explains these basic principles are found in natural ecologies like forests and prairies. In the prairies, there were tens of millions of ruminant animals on the prairie before the European settlers came, bison and deer and antelope and elk and so on. And so they interacted with the landscape to help create these rich soils. So if we mimic that process, then we could start to regenerate our soils. Thickey will examine the significance of regenerative agriculture in a keynote address to the Ohio Ecological Food and Farm Association's 43rd Annual Conference. It runs February 17th through the 19th at the Dayton Convention Center. Registration closes tomorrow, February 12th. Mary Sherman reporting. Finally, our Eric Tanoff tells us a program is looking for Montanans to represent people in courts on tribal reservations who often lack access to legal assistance when they need it. The Tribal Advocate Incubator Project wants to train lay advocates, that is, people who are not lawyers by profession, to represent folks in tribal courts across the state. Valerie Falls Down is the Tribal Advocacy Coordinator for the Montana Legal Services Association. Tribal lay advocates will represent tribal members in tribal court regarding civil legal matters, including divorce and custody, landlord-tenant disputes, wills and probate, real estate, and land issues. Montana's seven reservations are mostly rural, and a 2017 study found the poverty rate was 30% on the state's reservations. The Montana Legal Services Association is teaming up with the University of Montana Law School and the Indian Law Section of the State Bar on this training program. This is Mike Clifford for Public News Service, member and listener supported. We're heard on interesting radio stations, find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org.